1: Welcome to Once a Nurse, Always a Nurse, Exploring the World of Nursing. I am Leanne Meyer, and I am excited to have this, um, this episode today. So um, our title actually is called The Autopsy of Nursing Profession, and that sounds just a little bit ominous. Um, it's actually the beginning of the title of a newly released creative nonfiction book of my guest Nancy Congleton. And the tagline that goes after that is dissecting the nursing profession piece by piece. So um, Nancy describes the book as this isn't a heartwarming, touchy-feely nurse book, nor does it bash the profession. Simply put, if you are on the path to becoming a nurse and want to be ahead of the game, then this book is for you. You'll get the dish on unexpected realities you'll face, legal issues, and much more. So this book reflects Nancy's knowledge, passion for the profession, ability to think critically while problem-solving, and her always-ready humor. I'm happy to welcome my guest, Nancy Congleton, RN and author. Um, There's a a lot to think about, Um, a book on... I think uh, I should say a lot of us think about books to write on those rare, slow night shifts when we just sit around the desk and share the horror stories that we've had. But let's start with how you came to nursing and why, why this book. So, start about kind of your, um, your bio. How did you get into okay. nursing? All right.
2: Well, first of all, thank you, Leanne, for having me today. This is so exciting, and I'm excited that. Um, you're interested and curious about how this book came, came to be so thank you for that. You're my so earliest <laughs> thank you My earliest memory of thinking about the medical profession was when I was seven and it was more of an awe, a respect, a reference, reverence for everybody in the medical profession. I just thought what they all did was neat and intriguing um, But it was in an awe. I was just in awe of it. But it was many, many years later. I was actually in my mid-twenties when I actually went to nursing school and jumped into this profession. So I kind of started later than other people, but I've been in it now for 15 years. And my book started taking shape in about 2015. So... That was kind of the starting point of writing this book, based off of many years of noticing things, and not just that I had experience, but that other nurses had experience, and wanting to do something about it. Mm -hmm. Um, Did you do something else prior to starting nursing? Well, yes, I I had a degree in liberal arts. I had a degree okay. in alcohol and drug abuse counseling. Um, okay. at the time, yes, at the time that I went to nursing school, I worked for an abstract company. So I was doing that, but those two degrees, uh, they're more starting points. They're not they're not the finishing degree. They're degrees that you build on. And mm-hmm. I decided not to pursue those, not to continue on with those, although I've been very thankful for what I learned in them, especially my counseling degree, which has actually been a big help as a nurse, believe yes. it or not. <laughs> yes, for so, sure. Yes. But yes, I did, I did some other things
1: before I jumped into the profession. So that's. I think that's always a good idea. Um, it just you know gives you a, a little more well-rounded experience. And I think once you get into nursing school, maybe you'll talk about that a little bit. At least the nursing school I went to was pretty um, planned out for us. And in, in actual fact, that was one of the reasons I went to it. I didn't want to have to think about what do I need to be able to have. Um, everything, you know, possible to be the best nurse. So I was real happy that they were doing all of that planning. So um, uh, talk about some of your earlier jobs. What were some of the things that you did in nursing? I'm sorry.
2: <laughs> oh, in nursing. Oh, okay. Yeah. So I, the very first nursing job I had was at a pediatric urgent care clinic, and it was an awesome first job. I... It wasn't wasn't full-time at the time, but it was evenings and some weekends, and it was a great area to get your feet wet in as a nurse, one of those Mm -hmm. areas where you're not quite jumping in over your head. So I'm very thankful for that time. And then I have done NICU. I did several years in newborn intensive care. I did five years in the ER. I did two-and-a-half years in case management. I was also cross trained uh, at the med surge department and cardiac rehab. So I helped out in some of those areas during my time working in the ER. So I've kind of had a well rounded option of, of areas to be a part of. And then for almost the last three years, I've worked at an urgent care clinic. And I really okay. like that.
1: So, um, you really have had a, kind of a, a broad uh, look at what nursing is all about. Um, oftentimes, uh, I think nurses will uh, go into med surge, and then maybe they'll tiptoe into you know, some other field, but it seems like a lot of times they'll stay in that same area. So, that had to have added to some of the things you had to put into your book. Do you want to talk about um, the journey of writing the book? How, how did that come about? Yes. Yes. I had
2: been in the nursing profession, it was probably less than a year, and I was just hit with the reality that I wasn't fully prepared for everything that I had jumped into. My nursing Mm -hmm. instructors did an amazing job at drugs, disease, death, symptoms, but there were gray areas that nursing schools typically just don't cover. The actual Mm application, the blending, the work environment. So there's a gap in that transition from nursing school to real-life nursing practice. And I actually went online and I was looking for nursing books to see if there was anything that had addressed this issue, another book that had broken down some things. And I wasn't finding exactly what I was looking for. And the original purpose of that was I was encountering a lot of nursing students on their clinicals, making rounds, doing their clinicals. Mm-hmm. A lot of them had a deer-in-the-headlights kind of look, <laughs> and I was worried about them. I, was, I thought, mm-hmm. what if they get through this and they feel exactly the same way I do, and they don't have, they don't have a reference, they don't have anything to help give them the other... Side of the story, the other part of the picture. So when I didn't find exactly what I was looking
1: for, I set out on a journey to write one myself. Mm-hmm. Yeah, we used to call that, when I got out of nursing school, we called it reality shock. So it's like, you know, everything seems so like a a recipe or something. You do this and this and this and this, and then everything works out great. And uh, when you actually get on the floor and there's no nursing instructor behind you, there's a million different ways that can go in different directions than what you anticipated. And that's where coming in, uh, you know, being able to think on your feet You know, assess, you know, kind of big picture and what's the little picture going on. I remember my very first uh, cardiac arrest. Um, I was a new grad RN and I was alone on a unit, uh, a step down ICU unit. Um, at night and um, I walked into the room and realized the man was having a cardiac arrest and I panicked I literally ran out of the room to the desk fortunately I called the code team to come in uh, and then went back and went oh my god I wasn't supposed to do that <laughs> so, uh, fortunately they arrived in a very short period of time and I never did that again but um, it's sometimes those crazy you know mistakes that. You do as a green, like a greenhorn, you know, basically. So, um, uh, are you familiar with the term uh, "nurses eating their young"? Yes, <laughs> you, you've heard that, and you've experienced that too. I,
2: I have, and I actually have a, a chapter all about mean nurses in my book. It's actually okay. called "They're Called Me." Or they're called me nurses, and they're real. <laughs> so. <laughs> Yes, and so it's kind of interesting that you brought that up. I talk at a tech center in my community, and last September, that was one of the questions that a student raised their hand and asked me. They said, is it true that nurses eat their young? I've heard of this. Is it true? And I said, yes, it is true. It is true. And in my chapter, I talk about this. I go over situations where it can happen to where you know one nurse has... More patients than another nurse, or in particular, a harder load of patients than what other nurses have, or maybe they're getting an admit when it's really not their turn to have the next admit, but the charge nurse, the supervisor, Mm -hmm. they can delegate that, and sometimes you get dumped on. But I also Mm -hmm. talk about some of the tips in dealing with mean nurses. So I talk about not not. Do what? Share, please. <laughs> yes. So I talk about not going to war with mean nurses. And the reason why I do this, and I know you'll know exactly what I'm talking about since you worked on the floor, you have your load of patients, and you could have two patients go critical at the same time. You could have one vomiting mm-hmm. blood, one with severe chest pain, both of them have to have a nurse's attention, but you're just one, one person. So you have to ask another nurse that has their own team of patients to come and help, to step away mm-hmm. from theirs so that you can cover the severe chest pain and they can cover the vomiting blood. So mm-hmm. I talk about how if you're constantly going to war with mean nurses, then when you need that team dynamic and you need to call on them, either they're not going to help you or you're going to be scared to ask them because you stood up to them. So I Mm -hmm. talk about just some ways of having some grace and dignity and getting through some of those hard times without making a big issue of it. And I also talk about how people around, people are smarter than what we give them credit for. Other people watching, they're intuitive. They pick up on things like that. So you don't have to go tell your story or tell your side. You just have to have some grace and dignity and make the best of it. Now, I do talk about if it, if it comes to a point where patients are endangered because of mean nurses not helping and being a part of a team when needed, then that's a different story. Then you have to, you have to go up the chain of command because we can't risk our patients. But, mm-hmm. yes, I have an entire chapter on those mean nurses with uh, several tips for dealing with
1: them. So do you encourage people to talk to that mean nurse separately? Uh, and have kind of a heart-to-heart of, you know, this is what I heard, and this was what was going on, and what were you thinking, anything like that? Or or how do you, um, you know, just like as a broad, general way of dealing with some of these people, can you talk about that a minute? Yes, I
2: don't recommend confronting them. In the past, I have confronted mean nurses, and from my experience, it just blew up. It didn't okay. it didn't help the matter, it just blew up. And when you're in the heat of the moment and you've got a lot of patients taken care of, if you take time, you know, five, ten minutes to corner mm-hmm. that mean nurse in the hall or whatever, you're losing time on your patients. Yeah, and you're miss Yeah. So you're you're missing out on things that you need to do for your patients and the nursing profession most generally. Except for when the census is down, it moves very quickly. So nurses have to maximize their time. I have found that it's easier to overcome some of those situations by just being the bigger person, by remaining yeah. professional mm-hmm. and staying engaged with the other mm-hmm. nurses. So I also point yeah. out don't become downtrodden. Don't walk around with a frown on your face because you're under attack. Stay positive. Mm-hmm. Keep smiling. Support your your fellow nurses, and and see how it goes. Again, if it gets to the point that patients' lives are at stake because me nurses won't jump in or help out um, in a critical situation, then then you have to address it higher up.
1: Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Well, interesting, and and there's I, I love the whole concept of um, dealing with uh, conflict resolution. Uh, it's kind of a big thing that I like to teach my students. Also, um, we are right up against a break. Let's go ahead and take that break now, and then we can come back and talk some more. So this is Once a Nurse, Always a Nurse, exploring the world of nursing. I'm Leanne Meyer, and I'm here today with Nancy Congleton, and we're talking about her new book that is just out called. Affecting the nursing profession piece by piece, but the initial part of the book that you need to preserve it again is called Autopsy of the Nursing Profession. So I'll get that right when we come back from the break. <laughs>
3: Are you
4: tired of the healthcare system only treating your symptoms and never addressing the root cause? Discover how integrative medicine can resolve health issues through dietary and lifestyle changes and the use of natural supplements. Increase your energy, memory, mood, immune system, sexuality, and more. Join Dr. Sunil Pai and Maureen Sutton to help you take back your health with natural, evidence-based solutions. Tune in every Monday at 1 p.m. Pacific Time and 4 p.m. Eastern time on Voice America Health and Wellness channel.
3: If you like what you're hearing on Once a Nurse, Always a Nurse, consider supporting the show. In the one year since the show started, we've increased our listening audience by nearly 7,900%, and our goal to reach 50 countries and counting. Whether you are looking to reach a regional, national, or worldwide audience, you'll have a competitive advantage by advertising on Once a Nurse, Always a Nurse. It's the perfect platform. Contact senior executive producer Tacey Trump today at 480 294 That's 480 294 6421. Looking for exciting
4: video content live and on demand? Visit www.voiceamerica.tv for exclusive content you just can't find anywhere else. That's voiceamerica.tv. Tune in now.
0: listening to once a nurse always a nurse exploring the world of nursing with host leanne meyer to reach the program today please call 1-866-472-5792 that's 1-866-472-5792 you may also send an email to leanne voice america at gmail.com now back to once a nurse always a Nurse.
1: Hi, welcome back again to Once a Nurse, Always a Nurse, exploring the world of nursing, and I am Leanne Meyer. I am here today with Nancy Congleton, and I'll try and get the name of her book right this time. Uh, It is actually Autopsy of the NP, and then the tagline on it is Dissecting the Nursing Profession Piece by Piece. And, um, we've just been talking about different aspects of basically why Nancy said she wrote the book was because she felt like there were a lot of unwritten rules that she didn't know about when she became a new nurse and she wanted to try and fill in some gaps for people coming into the profession. So, um, Nancy, maybe we could talk a little bit about what were some of the obstacles to writing a book? So if there are people out there thinking about it, what were some things that came up for you? Absolutely. The two things that that hit me was
2: time and patience. During the entire process of writing the book, I was working, taking care of patients, plus all the other responsibilities that all of us have with life and bills and laundry. And there were many times when I wanted to give more to the book, I wanted to have more time for it, and I just didn't have it. I didn't have anything Extra than what I was doing to give. So that was a frustrating point for me. And the other thing was patience. Anytime my book was being read by a member of my target audience or being reviewed for edits, I was so unsettled. I couldn't work on my book. And so I had this restlessness about me. And I remember one day I was pacing in the living room and my husband, bless his heart, he was trying to watch TV and he goes, What are you doing? I just said, I don't have my book. I can't work on my book, and it's driving me nuts because somebody has it, and I can't work on it. So that was that was my pitfalls with time and patience, <laughs> probably more on the patient.
1: <laughs> Is that kind of like your baby was out of your hands and somebody else was taking care of it? Yes, exactly. it feel like that? <laughs> okay. I can imagine that. Um, so... Um, One of the things, uh, you mentioned a husband. Do you also have children? No, we don't.
2: We have a dog named Byron, and yes,
1: he's precious. So, What I was thinking about is, you know, that um, life balance in general, but then also... um, I think sometimes when we have so much responsibility at home, sometimes the responsibility at work is a little harder to um, uh, put our our whole self into. You were talking about that a little bit. So talk a little bit about being able to, for nurses to be prepared to think and act for themselves at work. Absolutely. So
2: there's, there's a story behind this chapter, and I, I start off with it. Years ago, I was told by a family member that another person had said, all nurses do is pass pills. That's, that's all they do. And mm-hmm. my jaw just dropped.
3: And I think anybody
2: <laughs> who's, who's a nurse, they're going to have that experience of the jaw being dropped. Nurses do not just pass pills. We don't just follow doctor's orders. But I'm finding out that there's a lot of people out there who are not familiar with what nurses do, That they think that's what we do. So I want Uh future nurses to understand more of the process of being a nurse. Yes, we get orders from doctors, but we're the final checkpoint. So if a doctor orders, and this has happened to me before, if a doctor orders an antibiotic, and you check the allergies, which is a nursing role, that we have to check the allergies against every medication ordered, and we see that that is an allergy for them, we can't give it. We have to step up, and we have to go to the doctor, and we have to say, look, you ordered this, but it's on our list of allergies. What do you want in replace of it? Um, We also have to know when to interrupt an order. You know, maybe a patient's on blood pressure medicine, but the nurse goes in and sees that their blood pressure at 8 a.m. is 80 over 50. Well, you have to know that you're going to have to hold that blood pressure pill. You're not going to get it if, for whatever reason, somebody with chronic high blood pressure happens to be running low because you don't want to bottom them out. So there are just so many situations where nurses are being proactive. We're looking out for things. We're reading between the lines with patients. We're getting back with the physicians and saying, okay, they're not responding to this. Or, again, this is an allergy. Or you ordered this for them. I took it in there to them. And they're telling me that they had a bad experience the last time they were on it. So I talk about all of some of the different responsibilities of nurses. And then I also talk a little bit about how to chart to cover yourself. So, like, if you have a patient that fell and hit their head and you go to the doctor and you let them know they fell and they hit their head, if that doctor orders a CT, you're going to document that, notify Dr. X of the patient's injury, CT ordered, scheduled for CT. But then if the doctor says, you know what, I'm not worried about it, you have to document notified physician X of patient injury, Uh no orders received at this time, unfortunately, Uh nurses, we have to protect ourselves. So this chapter is just an amazing chapter that really puts into perspective, I think, some of the responsibilities of nurses.
1: Right, and I think, you know, as a new nurse, um, probably you don't garner an awful lot of respect from other nurses or from doctors, certainly. But, the you know, the best that you can do, if you really are knowledgeable about those medications and what some of those interactions are going to be, and sometimes you're feeling really pressured on the floor during that particular time, it may not be that moment that you can, you know, really study it. It might be later that night or before you come back for the next shift or something along that line. But what I found was that um, doctors started to recognize that they could trust my experience and my knowledge. And oftentimes when I'd call them, they'd say, what do you want, Leanne? And um, know that I had something in mind when I called them. And then they would just say, yeah, I think that'll work. Let's go with that. So um, that always was very felt very empowering and uh, made me feel like more of a real nurse uh, when I realized that my opinion counted. But it really takes standing up and being very clear and very you know forthright. Uh, again, like you talked about, um, the bad nurses or the nasty nurses, uh, you can't be uh, disrespectful to the doctor. You have to be uh, very professional and very respectful, but still get your point across to them that either you disagree or you have a question about something they're doing. Yes,
2: and you are completely yeah. right. I love what you said about you gain respect later, and you do. If you step up and you point some of those things out, after a while the physician realizes, okay, they're truly looking out for my patient. They're truly looking mm-hmm. out for them. And then they do. They start to trust you more, and they take you more
1: seriously when you come to them. Right. Right. Yeah, and it does, and every nurse goes through, I think, you know, that feeling of, oh my gosh, here, I'll go get the nurse. When you're coming out of nursing school, there's just that feeling of, oh my gosh, I'm the nurse. Uh, What do I do now? Right. So, um, yeah, you know, it's it's, uh, it's quite a shock. Um, yeah. But at the same time, just giving yourself permission to know, I can't possibly know everything right now. I cannot possibly be functioning absolutely perfectly. So what I want to do is just make sure that I'm not making any mistakes that are going to be obviously harmful. Make sure I'm talking to other nurses and learning from them, listening to conversations the other nurses have about drugs and about, you know, things like that, maybe even procedures that I've never heard of or never seen before, asking if I can jump in and and be a part of that. Yes. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. So um, I was thinking, you, uh, again, we were talking about family and friends, and I know every Thanksgiving, every Christmas you go, and every single person there will either right at the table ask you about some, you know, big problem they have that they want you to tell them what to do, um, or they pull you aside later and say, you know, I got this problem and it's, uh, you know, whatever. So talk a little about that. How do you handle those kinds of situations? Yes, and that, that is
2: a big one, and I think that's especially hard for the newer nurses. Even the nurses that have three to five years, I think it's difficult, because that there is that expectation that family, friends, the community, everybody expects you to know everything from all nursing specialties. So you may be a pediatric nurse or a cardiology nurse, but then they automatically assume that you know everything in the field of dermatology or in the field of NICU or oncology. So they feel free to hit you with every single question, every single scenario. So... Yeah. Sometimes I cringe when people start asking me questions because if you don't have an answer for them, then, you know, you get looked at like you're stupid. And then trying to explain to people, yeah, trying to explain to people, you know what, doctors aren't, doctors aren't certified in all things either. They're separated. They go into their specialized field. And I give examples about that. You know, if you ask a dermatologist to describe the process of cardiothoracic surgery,
1: they're not going to know. They're not going to mm-hmm. know that. You know, yeah, but they're going to say- Unless they've actually been in on such surgeries, then the the likelihood of that is pretty slim. Absolutely, absolutely. So
2: first of all, is I kind of line up that scenario and give people a picture of, hey, Doctors don't know everything either. That's why they refer their patients out. That's why they consult on difficult cases. So first of all, nurses are not alone in that, in that uh, place of not knowing everything, not always having the answer. And I know me personally, when I do give somebody medical advice, I always end it. If it's something that I think is just a virus or it's something local that's going around or it's something that's not at all critical, I usually end it with my Nancy Nurse disclaimer, and that is, (laughs) yeah, if you start having chest pain, shortness of breath, difficulty breathing, dizziness or blurry vision,
1: you need to go to the ER immediately,
2: (laughs) and then I feel like I'm covered. (laughs)
1: Yeah, uh, That's actually interesting that you say that because you were talking earlier about how uh, many times people will think you do absolutely nothing but pass kills. And then on the other hand, they think that you should have, you know, every specialty in the world uh, under your under your fingertips. Um, and, and I think that there is kind of that mixture. And some of that is actually I think, you know, our media, our movies, our books, many of those things do not really... Uh, show what the nurse is doing and, and I, I, I've had so many times when, uh, particularly when I was in OB and you're, You know, pretty much slaving over a patient for eight hours or 12 hours or however long your shift is, and you're worrying about this and you're worrying about that, and you're, you know, thinking, do I call or not call at this time? And, you know, all this stuff is being weighed in your mind. And then, uh, in my case, I worked in OB, so a lot of times um, I would time it so the doctors could slide in, deliver the baby, and slide out. And they just thought I was great because I could do that. But then I had all of the responsibility of, you know, determining. Uh, when is this okay and when is this not okay. So I'm sure you probably ran into that too. Yes,
2: absolutely. You know, there were situations when I worked in the NICU, and I worked night shift in the NICU. So, you know, I didn't want, we had neonatologists during the day and we had pediatricians that were there in the uh, overnight for most of the night. But there were times when I knew that, a neonatologist was going to be in in an hour, but there was something that was borderline. And yes, nurses do have to make those decisions. Do I call a doctor in early? Do I page a doctor at one in the morning, or mm-hmm. what do I, you know, or do I just give this another hour? And it is mm-hmm. a a balancing act with those patients and the community, the media. They don't see that.
1: Right. Right, and part of that is because so many times these nurses are so good at not showing all the worry that's going on, you know, underneath, you know, and how many different factors they're taking into, uh, you know, okay, I gave that med at this time, let's give it a little bit more time to, you know, show an effect. Oh, I'm seeing extra, you know, signs that uh, these could counteract what uh, what we're trying to do with this med. All of those things are going through your mind, and yet what you're you're showing to the patient is we're doing great, things are fine. Let's, you know, uh, just keep going. Um, Yeah, so it's interesting. We're coming up against a break again. You seem to keep coming in here. Um, So let's stop at this moment and we will come back in just a few minutes so for those of you who are just tuning in now this is Once a Nurse Always a Nurse exploring the world of nursing I'm Leanne Meyer and I'm having a great conversation with Nancy Congleton about her brand new book and we'll talk more about it on the other side of the break. Thank you.
4: Are you tired of the healthcare system only treating your symptoms and never addressing the root cause? Discover how integrative medicine can resolve health issues through dietary and lifestyle changes and the use of natural supplements. Increase your energy, memory, mood, immune system, sexuality, and more. Join Dr. Sunil Pai and Maureen Sutton to help you take back your health with natural evidence-based solutions. Tune in every Monday at 1 p.m. Pacific time and 4 p.m. Eastern time on Voice America Health and Wellness Channel. Looking for exciting video content live and on demand? Visit www.voiceamerica.tv for exclusive content you just can't find anywhere else. That's voiceamerica.tv. Tune in now.
0: Listening to Once a Nurse, Always a Nurse. Exploring the world of nursing with host Leanne Meyer. To reach the program today, please call one 866 472 5792 That's one 866 472 5792 You may also send an email to Leanne Voice America at gmail.com. Now, back to Once a Nurse, Always a Nurse.
1: This is Leanne Meyer. I am here uh, on Once a Nurse, Always a Nurse, Exploring the World of Nursing. And I'm here today with Nancy Congleton. And she has just put out a new book. And the book is called Autopsy of the NP, the tagline is, um, I have to find the rest of it, (laughs) dissecting the nursing profession piece by piece. So, uh, Nancy, tell us a little bit about um, the book. Uh, It's just come out, right? It's just really newly out. So talk a little bit about uh, who the book is for and where they can get it.
2: Absolutely. So it's available on Amazon. The Kindle version is out right now the paperback will be available September the 5th. So right now they can grab the Kindle if they like the e-reader, and then if they want the paperback, September the 5th. And then... Mention about who the book is for. The book is targeted to two different groups of people. And one is those that are on the fence. If somebody is out there and they're saying, I'm considering my options, I'm interested in the nursing profession, but I'm just not ready to jump in yet. I want to know more. My book will be perfect for them. I start off with educational options. I talk about being an RN, being an LPN, I talk about nursing school, I talk about vaccines and background checks and the importance of clinicals and kind of what to expect on clinicals. But then I also jump into the different areas to practice. You know, some people who are interested in the nursing profession, if they don't have a loved one that's in it, then they haven't heard ER stories versus home health stories versus working on a pediatric floor, they haven't heard that. And so I give some information about here are the different areas that are available to nurses. And if you have a nurse that's high adrenaline and likes fast, bizarre, and different, then ER would probably fit that personality. But if you're kind of an introvert and you want something that's a little more calm, a little more paced, then I talk about some of the areas that are applicable to that personality. So it would be a great book for somebody that's on the fence, but then I take it up to the next level. I start talking about the unexpected realities of the profession. I have five chapters on relationships, and they all have tips on dealing with these relationships. And I have a category on legal issues. I have multiple chapters on legal issues. So if you're interested and want to know more, it's going to be a great resource. If you say, you know what, I know I want to be a nurse, then my book will give somebody an edge. It will help, it will help put them ahead of the game, and then they can hit the ground running. So it's just essential. I think it will be a
1: great help to future nurses. Hmm. Um, two things I'm interested in that you just talked about. One is... Um, uh, the legalities and knowing that these legal things can be different in different states. How do you address that? Well, oh, I
2: were talk you about. To? Well, I don't. I don't break it down by different states. I um, on the on the patient abandonment, I do mention for them to check their state on that, just in case mm-hmm. that happens to be different. But other than that. You know, nurses not being puppets and thinking and acting for yourself, that's going to be universal. I also mm-hmm. talk a lot about HIPAA, and a lot of times people Do you think want to that, explain what that is. Yeah, for so, anybody who's listening and doesn't know. Right, so HIPAA stands for Health Insurance, Portability, and Accountability Act, and basically it's saying that you can't share information, so a hospital, a home health. You can't share information that's not relevant to be shared. So you can share information for billing purposes, diagnosing codes, stuff like that, but you can't share information, a facility can't, nor can an individual share information about a patient that could identify them and what they're diagnosed with that is not necessary. So, absolutely, nurses can talk to physical therapists. Uh, you know, if the physical therapist is coming to a room and there's something pertinent the nurse needs to tell them, absolutely, that's all fine. But this is talking about talking to other people about patients, even carelessly on the floor, in an elevator, that things you don't need to be saying, things that could hurt that patient. And a lot of times, we think of this as just the juicy gossip but it's not. It applies to all of their medical information. It's all protected. So nurses need to be careful about who they share information with. And one of the big things about this is anytime a nurse goes into a room to do an assessment, if there's visitors in there, we don't know if that visitor is a neighbor, a family, an old friend. And so the appropriate thing to do is say, you know what, sir, or you know what, ma'am, I have a lot of questions to ask you to better take care of you is it okay if I talk to you in front of your visitors? Mm -hmm. Because you need permission. You don't want to just start talking to them about their health or what's going wrong in front of people if you
1: don't have permission Mm -hmm. to do so. So I give several... I actually walked into an ICU uh, with a friend of mine that had uh, had uh, a very serious surgery, and she had gone into toxic shock during the night. Um, So I just happened to walk in right before the doctors walked in, and I'm standing there kind of like, uh, what's going on here? And two, two or three doctors walked in at the same time, and one of the really older doctors, he looked like he was like ready to retire any minute, but he walked over to me and he whispered to me, I didn't expect to see her here today like that she would be dead overnight. And I'm standing there going, you are so lucky I'm a nurse (laughs) and (laughs) not somebody else, you know, that I just thought I couldn't believe he was saying that clearly he was so upset. But that's the time when we do make mistakes about things like that. And I think... um, It's even more crucial now than it ever was before. I mean, confidentiality has always been the case all the way back to Florence Nightingale. But still, like you said, there's that tendency to want to just, you know, um, talk a little bit of gossip. Did you see that guy that came in to see that person? Or, um, (laughs) you know, did you hear what what that person said about whatever, um, and so often we forget that we are much more audible to the patients than we think we are. We're sitting at the nurse's station and talking, especially late in the evening or um, during the night. Um, what we're saying, even if we're saying it fairly quietly, can be heard by the patient. And, uh, you know, you just think in terms of if that was my mother, if that was me, if that was, you know, what I want people talking about this sort of thing? So those are really huge aspects, um, all that legal aspect of it. And it's hard to remember that, you know, we are a professional. We have to expect of ourselves what we would expect of the surgeon, you know, any of the other people that we look at as being the professional.
2: Right. And family can make that hard too because my my grandma has asked me on several occasions, especially when I worked in the ER, to say, "So hey, you seen anybody I know lately?" I'm like, grandma, <laughs> I can't tell
1: you that. <laughs> mm-hmm. I can't tell you. <laughs> yeah, so, yeah, it's so true. Especially in a small town, that that gets to be very very challenging because everybody yeah. knows everybody, and so yeah, that is that is a challenge. Um, Yeah, so um, I was trying to think here, there was one other, oh, I know, Uh, the horror stories. Oftentimes when new grad RNs come in, um, the nurses will pull out their horror stories and, you know, you can just about see the the blood, you know, draining from their faces and thinking, what have I gotten myself into? Um, Any thoughts about that? Yes,
2: and I'll I'll just share one of the experiences that I had. When I went to work in NICU, I had oriented some on day shift, and then I went to night shift, and one night, there was a particular doctor that came in, and another nurse was introducing me, and of course, I was, you know, excited eager and excited and um, pepped up about it. And so she said, hey, Dr. So-and-so, this is Nancy. She's a a new RN, blah, blah, blah. And I thrust my hand forward to shake her hand, and she just looked at me up and down, tilted her head and said,
1: hmm. And then just walked
2: off. And so so I'm going, oh, dear, oh, dear. (laughs) This is going to be a hard one to win over. (laughs) So, yes, we all have moments. Whether it's with a physician, a patient, a family member, we all have those awkward moments.
1: <laughs> and the thing that I often tell my nurses, my, um, my students, and even when I was uh, leading a nursing unit, um, I would tell them, don't take it personally, because this person may be in a place where... Who knows why they're reacting to you? And if you take it personally, suddenly you're worried about how I'm going to react back. So if you just keep treating them as um, a very prized person in your life and you speak respectfully to them and... um, compassionately, um, it's amazing how you can win people over. I think so many times people and their families that are in hospitals, it's a terrifying experience for them. And the first thing, you know, they do is become their worst possible person. Um, you know, in a different situation, they'd probably be a much, much um, nicer person to be around. So kind of keeping that in mind. Any, any other thoughts that you have that are kind of last thoughts you want to put out there? For the, for the world?
2: Yes. You know, I'm just so excited about the future of nursing, and I want future nurses to just take this, take this profession by storm. It is very rewarding, yet it's highly challenging. And to be prepared for it, to have every edge that you can possibly have, will pay off. And I just wish the absolute best for future nurses and their careers, and my thoughts are with them.
1: Yeah, I really appreciate that, too. I feel as passionately as you do about nursing, I think so many times people get out of high school, get out of college, and they're thinking in terms of, you know, where am I going to make the most money? Where am I, you know, whatever they're thinking they're going to do. And they have to take their own personality into account. And if, in fact, they are people who uh, love uh, the relationships that, that come with work, Um, that love being um, doing something that's really important, uh, even if it's only important to that one person or that one family. Um, Nursing is just phenomenal for uh, the emotional paycheck that you get, that no matter how much money you get on Wall Street, you're probably not going to get that emotional paycheck. But you get it every day from your coworkers, from your patients, families, doctors, every which way. Um, I think back, I probably made... A lot more in emotional paycheck than I did in any kind of financial remuneration. But I think, um, you know, if people have a heart for other people and they want to help, this is the most spectacular um, profession to go into. So I'm with you. I really like to encourage them. Um, we're uh, almost out of time. I'd like to take just a little bit of time first to thank you, Nancy, so much for coming on. And I hope that people will check out this book. I know I can, from what you're saying, I can uh, understand it's going to be fantastic. So thank you for coming. Thank you so much, Leanne. I appreciate this. And this has been awesome speaking with you. Thank you. Um, I also wanted to thank the listeners who have, have been contributing ideas for shows and great potential guests. I can't tell you how much I appreciate that. They've also talked to give me ideas for how to market the show and encourage um, uh, people to become sponsors, maybe even giving me names of people who might uh, enjoy being a sponsor to the show. Um, even individuals, there's all kinds of things we can do to help people feel like they're really supporting and connecting to it. So two people I'd like to, or actually three people I'd like to mention on that factor is Betty Jo Johnson from Alina Healthcare has been just tremendous in giving me um, guest ideas that have turned out to be fantastic. Lisa Burrows also is from Hennepin County Medical Center. She's also one of my students, and she's given me a ton of great ideas. Tammy Lane is from Premier Health and um, also uh, lots of ideas and some support. So I'd like to thank... Any of the people who have offered encouragement and support, and I can't name every single person, but um, each week going forward, I'd like to name one person at least, and the first one is going to be Julie Lester from Danville, Illinois. She says, it's so nice to be able to share positive ideas that make us all better as nurses. And so on that, I will end the show with uh, this is Once a Nurse, Always a Nurse, Exploring the World of Nursing. I'm Leanne Myers. Have a fantastic week, and join us again next week on Monday at 10 a.m. Pacific Time. Thank
0: you for listening to Once a Nurse, Always a Nurse, exploring the world of nursing with your host, Leanne Meyer. Be sure to join us again next Monday at 10 a.m. Pacific Time and 1 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Health and Wellness Channel. Have a productive and insightful week.